Hello, today I'm back at it exploring the fine line that exists for finance leaders. Do they fully dive into the technical aspects of data? And how are they balancing the strategic acumen needed as a decision maker and influencer? Well, behind all of this is the data that weaves its way through all the systems and roles within an organization. And siloing that data can create unrealistic goals and bad decisions. It can also foster dissension across the C-suite and feed into really a lack of trust. So what are the things that CFOs and finance leaders should be focusing on? Is it just data or is there more to it than that? Well, to help me unpack these answers, I'm joined by Glenn Hopper. He is the CFO uh, at Sandline. He's also the author of Deep Finance, Corporate Finance in the Information Age, and a brief on the evolution of the CFO. Now, we'll look at the need for digital optimization versus transformation in finance teams, the path of data to wisdom, and much more. So stay tuned. Well, hi, Glenn. Thank you so much for uh, joining the show today. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you and uh, diving into uh, quite a few things today in the not just the fintech space, if you will, but uh, a lot of other areas that uh, I think would, would be very vital and important for CFOs, financial leaders, and so forth. But uh, before we dive into any of that, I'd love to have you introduce yourself briefly, if you could. Sure. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. Um, I am a uh, CFO, most recently for a legal technology company. I've been in this space a few years, but I've been really in the startup space for over two decades now. Um, mm -hmm. Everything from telecom to retail to a, a streaming audio company to some app development. So I've been uh, the finance guy for startups going back to uh, uh, kind of the dot-com uh, boom and bust in, yeah. <laughs> in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Living through the Y2K times as well. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> we can remember that. So I guess we're aging or, or dating ourselves a bit here. So, well, Glenn, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, to kick things off, I, I was wondering, um, obviously, as, as checking things out, you've been active in, you kind of listed a few things, but you, you wrote a book called Deep Finance. And so I was just curious, kind of what, what was the intent of the book and maybe who's your primary target? I, I figured CFOs and so forth, but are there other uh, principles that can be applied to other finance leaders and things in this book? So explain a little bit about that if you could. Yeah, sure. So you see my yeah. complete lack of uh, sales skills, the fact that I didn't even mention my book in my intro. <laughs> <laughs> no, good. Yeah. yeah, so the book was... <laughs> This is going to sound, it's, I say dorky things all day, and I'm just going to say it again. <laughs> it's been a passion project for me, which, you know, you okay. a lot of people be like, who's passionate about uh, corporate finance? But I am, right. and it's, it's been my career. Yeah. And um, I'm also a, you know, I'm a wannabe technologist. I'm a, I'm a fanboy, and I just, mm. uh, you know, I'm uh, know enough to be dangerous. But I think that's in the book, I advocate that all finance people need to know enough to be dangerous when it comes to technology and, oh. and coding. And the whole idea is um, the, the hope and the intent of the book is that it's a roadmap for CFOs to be able to lead a digital transformation in their business. And, and there's probably a lot of people thinking CFOs lead a digital transformation. What, right. what is this? And it's, yeah. it's part of this whole um, 
idea that I have and one that I've pioneered and that I've tried to make true in my career. And that is that CFO, it makes perfect sense for uh, keeping of the data and maintaining the data and being able to provide add additional value to the data that is collected by a company could and should come from finance. Well, if you think about it, they're at, uh, they're at the central hub of a lot of the decision-making that happens because they have access to that type of data that you're talking about. Uh, now, unfortunately, uh, some companies don't give a periphery view of data that's around the finance, which the CFO needs access to as well to make a more holistic, broad strategic decision versus just a numbers-based decision. So, uh, you know, I, I'd like to counter that with some folks. I'm like, look, you know, it, CFOs are not just backward-looking anymore. They need to be strategic forward-looking. The backward-looking stuff is still vital because you need to see trends and anomalies and things that happened in the past and how we can shift. But it's that, they, yes, they do forecasting, but it's more than that. It's beyond, it's it's a CFO beyond the numbers, in other words, is, is kind of how I'm I'm looking at it. Yeah, that and you're exactly right. And that's that's what I preach too. So if you think about historically, when you just had, when, when an, the finance department is closing the books and you're just reporting, this is how many customers churned last month. This is what our revenue was versus this month last year. This is, you know, we're, doing slightly better than budget, slightly under budget or whatever. But, you know, in the sort of the old model of CFO, what value are you providing there? You're just, you're mm -hmm. just a record keeper. You're just reporting the numbers. So one of the things that I really push for is every bit of information that comes through you don't just be a conduit because if you're a, just a conduit for the information, if you're a gatekeeper and you're not adding any value to it. So what I preach and what I try to do in my professional life and what I talk about in the book is add value to every bit of data that comes through. Well, and then that conduit um, anymore with a lot of the availability of technology and systems out there, if that's all they are, people can go grab that data for themselves. They really don't need you if that's all you're doing. So to your point of adding value, the CFO really needs to have that strategic value, the expertise value, knowledge uh, that they're bringing to the table to explain that data. Not to say, hey, here it is. <laughs> I'm going to show you in a summarized fashion, but they need to be able to explain it, tell a story with it strategically. If they need to get down into the details, because say somebody on the board asked them a question, you know, what's behind those numbers? Well, we can explain it very well and tie it all together with those periphery uh, data points that I mentioned a while ago. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting. It's not just that the data is out there and that it becomes more available for, you know, you don't need a person to read the uh, monthly financial statements to you, but it's the work that was done by finance and accounting before is, I mean, there, I can't think of a single part of finance and accounting that there's not some software out there now that um, automates it, whether it's accounts receivable, accounts payable, expense tracking, uh, real-time close process. I mean, the mindless parts that of, of the job that accounting and finance departments used to provide is being replaced by robotic process automation now. And I think it's even, it's only going to get more uh, detailed as to, as to what software can do uh, in in the future but if you're if your people are being replaced by automation 
you know, are you going to just do away with the finance department in general? I argue no, because, but what I push for is taking the people who used to do these mindless tasks of data entry and turning their roles into mindful roles. But that means that the people, your skill set, no one goes to school for accounting because they want to enter data all the time. So I think most people, yeah. So most people are going to be open to this, but people who used to do that sort of mindless work of entering invoices, paying invoices, entering payroll and that kind of stuff, you need to upskill them and be able to put them in a position where they can provide more value because there just aren't going to be jobs like that anymore that are just the mindless. Well, and I think too, that it, from a psychological standpoint, I think it, it helps the person realize that they are more valued than just being a data entry person. They're providing more value. My value and expertise in these areas is valuable to those around me on my team, to my managers or whoever for decision-making. So, you know, they should be, feel like they're more valued as a person with their knowledge and experience than just, like you said, entering, you know, entering keystrokes somewhere. So I, and we, we kind of touched on that a, a bit is that sort of fine line between a CFO being fully technical, which is good. It's that, you know, enough to be dangerous. You talked about that. Um, but they also need to be sort of objective and strategic with that data. They need to know enough to dive into details or where to gather it for themselves and not say, well, I, I, I don't have all the data because I'm waiting on so-and-so to give it to me. You know, be proactive, go out and grab it. There's a lot of tools and platforms that can provide it, but then harness that data and be able to get translate it. So there, there is that fine line that I, I see, I mean, what are you seeing? Is that line shifting more and more uh, over the years? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we can go back to the first data lakes, you know, uh, years ago yeah. where you are gathering all this data and putting it somewhere. And in, I'm not the only one preaching this, but the democratization of data that anyone mm-hmm. can get access to the data. And I think that CFO can be part of that. And it's with the finance function um, you, the same skills that you use in finance are used in data science. It's just taking it at another level. If you think back to, you know, a finance degree, um, is, you know, there's a lot of modeling, there's statistics in there, there's, um, math in there. There's maybe some calculus, but not as much as a true data scientist has, but right. I, you know, it's, you're on that path already. It's just about upskilling to, to do that. So, I picture this uh, data lake where everyone has access to the data and it's not just I'm waiting on finance to provide this report or finance says, oh, I'm waiting on operations for this data where you're right. collecting it in real time. It's in the data lake. People can get it. And I'm, I don't mean just C-level people, you know, the COO, the CFO, the chief revenue officer. I mean, anyone in the company can get access to this data. And if they want to do their own p hacking i know you're not we're, we're not scientists we're business people so right, we can right, do right. p hacking but if you um <laughs> but if you want to go try to find correlations and you know if you're if you have a monthly subscription product and somebody in service delivery no, thinks they have a, a theory about um you know why customers are churning maybe and they could look mm-hmm. at and find some correlations when you can push that data out that empowers your entire workforce to be able to do this and it you know finance your in an objective place and you can, because you've got the skill set, hopefully to do analysis on this, it makes sense for it to be in finance, but I argue that everyone should have access to this data. Well, it, if you think about it, it allows for a 
a better conversation with peers. So you're not coming into a meeting to have a conversation about, say, you know, next year's or five years sort of strategic planning goal. And you've got blinders on saying, okay, I'm only focused on this area. If you're have access to the data that goes farther out, but you're still looking at it through your lens of your role, you know, that, not to say that you're not, but you're still looking at it from your role, from your CFO role, you can have a more intelligent conversation with your chief operating officer, or your chief revenue officer and the CEO or even the board, because now I have broader access to the data that can help me tell that story in more detail than before. But I, ha I can speak the language of my peers as well because they're focused on this and the other one's focused on that. So now I have that data to, to speak that. So I think that that's another key aspect of the data. It's, it it kind of goes along with, uh, <clears throat> you had a quote in your, in your piece recently, at, uh, the evolution of the CFO. And then there was a quote you had put from uh, Clifford uh, Stoll that said, data is, is not information. Information is not knowledge. Knowledge is not understanding and understanding is not wisdom. So I think that encapsulates it very well, uh, is that, you know, you've got to have this information, but if you're looking at it like this, then it's, it's really, it won't, it'll be meaningless, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, and that quote, I, I probably overuse it, but it is so <laughs> spot on for what mm -hmm. I'm trying to do that I, I, I don't know if I have it fully memorized. I probably do at this point, but it's, I mean, it's any sort of pitch that I'm doing, I'll, nine times out of 10, I'm going to reference Clifford Stoll in that quote. <laughs> and it's, and, you know, I, I love it because it's just getting the data. That's only the, that's the foundation. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's a, a lot of heavy lifting to get to, if you're not there now, to get to the point where you are tracking and bringing the data in, but you can have this massive uh, amount of data that you're collecting, you know, you're filling your own servers or S3 buckets or whatever it is with all this data. Right. But if you're not doing anything with it, who cares? It's just, it's just noise. So, right. you know, I think you run the data through uh, kind of an, an analytics ringer, the data science ringer, and you end up with maybe your first step is just some descriptive statistics. You find some correlations and some interesting things in the data and you know what, Hey, now you have information, but what do you do with that information? So the next step is, uh, you know, you, you start to use it to better understand your business structure and to start making some predictions and have some predictive analytics in there. And then suddenly you've got um, this level of, uh, of understanding. And then, but the final, the, the sort of the peak of the pyramid is the wisdom. And I talk about this all the time too. It's, you can have these models that spit out all this wonderful data information, understanding you know, comes from all that, but then what you do with it, that's where you can really stand out. And that's when you're truly being, running a, a proper data-driven organization. So um, it's, and I, I write about this in, in the book and in other places too, where all of this, everything that we get from data science, you know, you wouldn't cede control of your, all of your shopping to the um, Amazon recommendation engine of, you know, you may well, also, yeah. like, so just like, you know, just like with that or the predictive text on your phone, you know, if you ever do that thing, well, where you let yeah. it type the message. <laughs> How many typos I've had on that thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's letting, I mean, it's, you've got these incredible tools and knowing how to use them, like they're a trusted advisor. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, maybe you take what they say or not, but that's where the real wisdom is. Well, and then too, I think behind that wisdom, it comes the experience, obviously, of the person. 
but it's also the collaborative experience you have. We talked about that with that, having that good conversation with your peers. You need to gather and harness their experience and input around their data that they're seeing overlap with your data. And I think that enhances the wisdom that you're imparting for strategic goals that you're trying to hit or set up uh, for future. Uh, I think that just really, um, really tees it up nicely. And uh, I came across another excerpt that you had about the CFO is really it becomes the messenger of the findings, you know, up and down the chain, uh, so to speak, you know, board of directors all the way down to say frontline workers, which we talked about them shifting their focus. Uh, and then everyone has to understand the metrics and impacting them in their role. Um, you know, I, I completely agree here, but I guess a caveat that I have is the CFO, we, we've touched on this already, needs to not only explain that data, but provide a strategic vision or a path forward around that. They're not just a messenger to say, hey, here you go, do what you will with it. But they, they can explain what's in the message, how yeah, it came so to it, be, and then what do we do with it? Yeah. So, you know, you kind of just touched on this um, as, as you're leading up to that, to the point in that. So I think that CFO and the, the data science and the COO and the CEO and the, and the other C-suite and the other managers and, and leaders in the company all, like you said, have access to the data. They can start coming up with strategies and everything, but it, it's just, everyone is just one voice. I don't, you know, I don't have, I would love it if this were the case, I think, um, but it, of all the companies I've been in, you know, the CFO doesn't, doesn't set strategy for the company. They kind of, they're a voice at the table now more than they used to. And now that more CFOs are strategic than right. the sort of the, the backward looking that they used to be, but they need to bring their, uh, and this is about adding value to the numbers. So as a CFO, your objective, you're not going to be protecting operations over sales. You don't care. You're just going to be, you're, you're the referee here, you know, you're um, going yeah, through in your, you in your analysis. Yeah. So I think that what a CFO can do, it's the same way you do in finance. You can keep the other C-level people, the other managers honest, mm -hmm. and you can have your own insight that maybe because you're not seeing it through the filter of operations or through the filter of marketing or through, you know, through another department that you can be this objective, sort of this Socratic observer here who can provide this. And it's a valuable different voice because you're not looking to enrich your, yourself or your department as, as much as you're providing this uh, objective view there. So uh, yeah, I love, I, I definitely think the CFO maybe more than ever needs to understand what the company does um, and have a, a vision for it, but they're never going to understand it, understand it as well as the operations guy, or you know, understand the sales pipeline as much as the sales right. guy does, or whatever. So you're just a voice in there. But absolutely, it goes back to what I was saying earlier: with every bit of data that you deliver, add some value to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like you you touched on, you're not going to see it. Yeah, we talked about that lens that you're looking at. You're looking at it from that financial perspective. But you have that um, that harness the data from those other sources to say through this lens, this is what I'm seeing. This is where I think we should go. Like you said, that that voice at the table, uh, explaining things uh, and why we should go this way. And then two, you can get strategic. So say with your your CTO or CIO, many different titles there. Where should we strategically invest in certain technologies or upskilling people through HR efforts or 
what have you. Um, and uh, if you're in manufacturing, what machinery should we invest in? You know, then layer on IoT to get more analysis out of it. Um, so there's great discussions you can have with your counterparts um, as far as not only, you know, in those investment strategies and, and knowing why you're investing in that, because here's these outcomes we can all get together holistically going forward. Um, so we've touched on a lot of things uh, already. I mean, I can't believe we've marched through a lot of information here, <laughs> so forth. But obviously, 2022, brand new year. A lot of times, you know, that's a theme where we're going to get a fresh start or look at things differently. But I was wondering if there's like a couple of things you'd recommend that CFOs or financial leaders should be focusing on regarding data analysis or even shifting their strategic mindset as they're in this brand new year of 2022? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, COVID has kind of, uh, and the lockdowns and remote working has really put this in hyper, uh, you know, hyper growth, these changes that I'm talking about and every company doing the next step of a digital transformation. And I think uh, if somehow someone has missed <laughs> what, the, what the change is, I'm going to say, uh, you know, don't be blockbuster. Don't be caught flat-footed <laughs> in this. And if, and if you haven't yet yeah. read the, if you haven't yet read the writing on the wall and I, I'm here with the choir, so I'm going to say we're both doing yeah. it. We are screaming it at you now. Yeah. You know, the, the robots are coming. There was a New York times article last week. It was uh, the robots are coming for Phil in accounting. Yeah. And I thought that is, <laughs> that is, so, I mean, all this, well, all these yeah. kind of white collar jobs that we thought, Oh, that'll never be, you know, it's not like an mm -hmm. assembly line. You can't just replace mm -hmm. that. Well, guess what? Now, now you can. So yeah, I, it's funny when I have had some people sort of dig in their heels a little bit and say, I'm, a finance expert. You're telling me I've been doing this 20 years. You're telling me now I've got to go become a database expert or a computer developer. And I think, well, no, but if you want to keep your job, you need to know what's going on out there. It's just, you can't be a Luddite. You can't, you know, there's no room. I mean, if you don't take the time to learn and understand what's going on with data science and what's possible with all this new technology, then you're mm -hmm. obsolete. And the technology is happening faster than it ever has before. I mean, you think well, about, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to interject here. It's not, it's the job is, I think, morphing. I think people need to understand, and this has happened for, I mean, think going back to the turn of the century and then the onset of, of the assembly line of cars coming in and, and Ford setting up how we, a different way we do manufacturing and assembly line production. It's, it's, it's the shifting of your role to something. It goes back to, you talked about RPA and we, and then I, I, next levels, intelligent automation with AI machine learning on top of that. It's the, the thing I'm seeing more and more is the augmentation of the human. You as a human are, you're using these other AI machine learning automation to augment your role, to help you make better decisions or do things more efficiently instead of putting in and typing something all day long. And you feel like you're a mindless drone out there. So it's, it's okay. I'm adapting. I'm shifting now as things change. I'm not, I could be replaced, but there could be by, by another person that is being understanding of that technology and not being replaced fully by a technology tool. Yeah. So I think there's yeah. a difference there. I think that people need to grasp. Yeah. And it's, and they need to grasp it quickly. And that's, that's why I wrote mm -hmm. the book. That's why I'm going, uh, you know, screaming this from the rooftops every chance I get, because yeah. 
I think about, I mean, the, the acceleration right now of technology, I mean, go back to the 15th century, like, I don't know, 1440 was uh, the invention of the printing press. And then from there to say, I don't know, 200 years later, you have these steam powered calculators. I mean, yeah. legit steampunk calculators. Well, 200 yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. Steampunk is <laughs> another topic, I guess, for another day. But yeah. <laughs> but um, how long it took, you know, to get there and then sort of the, from maybe the coal revolution and a hundred years later to the combustion engine or, you know, just the, there were, there was time then. Mm -hmm. And it feels like there is not time now mm -hmm. because you, mm -hmm. the internet 1995 to how much it's changed. We're, I don't know, are we, I don't know if we're in the fourth or the beginning of the fifth industrial revolution or what, but right, it's, yeah. I mean, it's so in our lifetimes, it's the growth mm -hmm. has been so fast. You cannot, just sit back on your heels and say, well, I'm a finance guy. I don't need to understand. Right. Things. And it's, it's no longer, Hey, we've got decades to figure this out. It's sometimes just months, maybe a couple of years in certain instances, depending on scenarios, industries that you're in, et cetera. So it's faster pace of change that I think people need to adapt to that is, is a lot of are struggling. And like you said, if you're not doing it now, and you yet you want to get there, it's going to be super tough to play catch up either for, as a company because your competition is going to be outpacing you or as a person in your role. We already talked about it. If somebody comes in that's more knowledgeable with some of the technology, more comfortable using it, can make do things faster and more efficient and provide that value like we talked about to the organization. Well, quite frankly, you're, you may get replaced by another person that's augmented by the technology that they're leveraging so yeah i think those are viable things you know folks should focus on this this new year so it's it's crazy that uh, we've got to get there but it, it if we don't people are just gonna fall by the wayside and and uh never catch up and it's going to be unfortunate so like you said you and i i think are trying to preach the same message you know <laughs> get there and I to be honest, I think we're kind of beyond digital transformation. We're in, uh, I've heard people say digital optimization now. It's kind of where we are. Uh, and uh, uh, one guy that's uh, is part of our uh, our team here at Acceleration Economy, Bob Evans, founder of Cloud Wars, he's, he even uh, is touting that we should retire the term digital transformation and it's really digital optimization of, of things. So yeah, I you know, and that's funny. I was on a podcast just last week talking about this and um, digital transformation. To me, the problem with it is it sounds like one and done. And it's not really, mm. it's not just, oh, we did our digital transformation. Now we're done. Now we've got everything we need. It's mm. more of an evolution. So it's kind of a misnomer. And I right. guess, and I, it's, I wonder, so I need to either keep using it because people recognize the phrase or stop using it because the phrases become meaningless. So <laughs> I'm not like sure. Which. Maybe horse, it's, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why Bob Evans had brought it up. It's like, I think it's been overused or lost its original uh, meaning, you know, what it was intended to be and morphed into mul multiple different things, depending on who you talk to, you get 50 different answers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I think that's another thing people need to keep uh, as a, mindset going throughout the new year is is uh what are we doing to maybe morph from transformation to continually optimizing uh as the pace of change we talked about continues to to move forward <laughs> faster and faster so 
Well, Glenn, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been a pleasure. I mean, we covered a lot of ground and uh, a lot of important topics for financial leaders, CFOs, and uh, the importance of grasping data and harnessing it to uh, really tell a story and use it to a strategic advantage. Thank you so much for joining me in the conversation today. Thanks, Aaron. Glad to be here.